Father, I thank you for your people, that they are being faithful or trying to be faithful to you. Their spirit is willing, but our flesh may be weak, but you are strong. And in our weakness, I pray that we will present your holy son and his matchless glory as who he is. That people will see us and say, yes, we are weak. But it is the Lord Jesus Christ that is continuing to make them carry on by his strength. I pray that your spirit will convict the hearts of your people. It will convict my heart that we will be filled with your presence today. Because without your presence, we are nothing. Who is mindful of man? Lord, you have created mankind. You have created us to worship you forever and ever. And I pray as of today that we would do that. That we will continue to do that. And as we worship and continue to worship, I pray that your son will be glorified. I pray this in your son's matches, matchless name. Amen. Amen. Can someone turn off the uh, middle lights? For me, please. Thank you, Pastor Gus. Although I don't like the lights to be off. But for the sake of y'all seeing Prizzy, that'd be much better. All right. Put on full screen. There you go. Awesome. Well, we, um, as a kid, I... I've been to a lot of churches. I've been to a lot of churches that have their own norms and liturgies of how they worship as a church, how they come together. And what always interests me as a church is, is, is what they're doing, right? It is what they're doing. Some of the churches, if you think about it, if you walk into some buildings of some churches, you might just think that you walk into a Starbucks coffee shop. You might not, you just might think if you are at a restaurant or, or if you are at a church. So churches give you that type of impression. It gives you what the church is about and what they're doing what songs they're singing, how they're singing the songs. Is it just for religiosity? 
Is it just to save face? Is it to be entertaining or is it to, to, to be a normal trend? It's a lot of times that I watch YouTube just out of curiosity to see what a church is doing. I listen to uh, shows like Janet Partial or shows like The Wretched Radio because it keeps my ears to the ground of what churches are doing today. I recall a church uh, just going through a trending mode, uh, just acting in silliness, doing what the world is doing. They had a video I recall to my mind. They had a little teddy bear. They had uh, they had a theme music that everybody was familiar with because it was a trendy song. It was a catchy song for the world. So the church felt as if they wanted to do it as well. With that being said, majority of churches, in my humble opinion, should not be qualified to call themselves a church. Because I, I don't think that should be the case. Because churches today do not produce discipleship for Jesus as much as we could and as much as we can. Churches today, and when I say church, I'm, I'm sure you guys already know, I'm really speaking about the body of Christ, right? The body of Christ, for those who profess to be a Christian, are doing things that is contrary to the gospel itself. What do you call that? You call that nominal Christianity. People who profess to be Christians, but their lives are contrary to the gospel. Their lifestyle, what they do, what they say, how they say it. It's contrary to the gospel itself. So it always interests me when I attend churches. It is, to be very upfront, it always interests me about this church. Where are we going? How are we going to get there as a body of believers? Are we doing what we are called to do? Are we following the Lord's commands? If you will, go ahead and turn to Revelation chapter 2, excuse me, chapter 3, verses 1 through 6. Revelation 1, chapter 3, verse 1 through 6. Let me give you the bat 
story to this church that we are about to learn about. As you're turning there, listen, in Revelation chapter 1, verse 11, John wrote to seven churches. And with all those seven churches, John wrote actually to seven individual churches within the book of Revelation. He wrote to the church of Ephesus. The church of Smyrna. The church of Pergamum. The church of Thyatira. The church of Sardis, the church of Philadelphia, the church of Laodicea. Those were actual churches that existed during John's time. And although those churches were not too far from where John was, remember, John was on the island of Patmos, because he was in prison for his faith. He was being persecuted by the Roman Domitian, because he was one of the last leaders of that time for the Christian church. So John wrote to these seven churches. Now those churches... Imagine they were very close to one another. Someone had to go get this letter and present it to those churches. It was like an in postal route to deliver this letter to those seven churches. One thing that we need to be mindful as John was writing this letter this letter wasn't really being communicated by John himself it was being communicated by Jesus Christ and only two out of those seven of those churches the Lord gives praises to them But the rest of the five churches, the Lord rebukes them. The church of Smyrna, he gives praises to. He praises the church of Smyrna because they were facing persecution. And they were very faithful to the very end, even if it costed them their very lives. If they were to face uh, imprisonment, The Lord said, going back to Revelation chapter 2 and verse 10, he said, Be faithful unto death, and I will give you the crown of life. That's a commendation. Another church that he prays, was the church of Philadelphia. This particular church was very faithful as well. They were, they were facing the same form of persecution. 
But yet they did not mingle with the world in a sense as the other churches did. The other churches, the Lord rebukes. The Lord rebukes the church of Ephesus because they fell. They no longer had an unconditional love for the Lord. And they also taught and started to believe in heretical doctrine. So the Lord rebukes that church. He also condemned the church of Pergamum because they, too, started to believe and teach heretical doctrine. Similar to the church of Ephesus, the church of Ephesus was teaching uh, whatever the teaching that the Nicolaitans was teaching. And the church to the, uh, the Lord rebukes the church to Thyatira because they allow a woman prophetess. In our day, it would be a woman pastor who was characterized by the name of Jezebel from the Old Testament. This woman pastor allowed and helped to seduce the believers of that church. So the Lord said he was going to kill that church. He was going to destroy that church so that he can purify that church. He would go to great lengths to purify his own church, even if it caused a small body of believers to be destroyed or killed. Another church that he that he criticized, that he said and, and that he rebutes was the church of Laodicea. And I can understand why he rebutes this particular church. Because this church started to believe in the health and wealth prosperity gospel. This is what the Lord said. To this church in verse in chapter three, verse 17, he said, for you say, I am rich. I have prosper. I need nothing, not realizing that you are wretched, pitiable, poor, blind and naked. That is not giving this particular church praise. That is rebuking this church because they started to believe in the world and what the world had to offer. So I understand. There's one more church that he rebukes. He rebukes the church of Sardis. The church of Sardis. I'm reading from the English translation. So follow along as I read Revelation chapter three, verse one through six. Like I said, we're going to learn why the Lord rebuked 
this church. It says in Revelation chapter three, verse three, I meant Revelation chapter three, verse one through six. Excuse me. It says. And to the angel of the church in Sardis, write the words of him who has the seven spirits of God and the seven stars. I know your works. You have the reputation of being alive, but you are dead. Wake up. Strengthen what remains and about to die. For I have not found your works complete in the sight of my God. Remember then what you receive and heard. Keep it and repent. If you will not wake up, I will come like a thief and you will not know at what hour I will come against you. Yet you have still a few names in Sardis, people who have not sore their garments. And they will walk with me in white. For they are worthy. The one who conquers will be clothed thus in white garments, and I will never blot his name out of the book of life. I will confess his name before my fathers and before his angels. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. As I have mentioned, the letter that was sent to these seven churches. It was also sent to messengers. People had to come and receive these letters, the elders of those particular churches, to give to these seven churches. One of the key things that we need to be mindful is is the word angel in verse 1. The word angel signifies pastors or an elder of that church. If you remember, going back to Revelation chapter 1, verse 20, Jesus said, As for the mystery of the seven stars that you saw in my right hand and the seven golden lampstands, the seven stars are the angels of the seven churches. The angels of the seven churches. In all of those seven churches, the Lord said to each of that of of the individual angels. Right. Because he was communicating to them. Angels are ministering spirits. One of their primary duties is to relay and communicate a message from God. Like the angel of Gabriel came to Mary to tell her that she was going to conceive the son, well, the eternal son of God. And she received that message. She was joyful. She was happy. Or like the angel of the Lord was in the burning bush 
talking to Moses about what Moses was going to do for the children of Israel. Or, like the angel. Who told Lot's family and Lot that the Lord God Almighty was going to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah. So the angels was there to not only send a message, but also to rescue Lot's family out of Sodom and Gomorrah. That's one of the primary duties of an angel to delay a message. So in our texts and also in the going to the seven churches, the angels who are responsible for those churches, they had to communicate a message to that church. Again, remember, the book of Revelation is symbolic. That's one of the key things about the book of Revelation. So angel in verse one signifies pastors, elders, teachers. Why? Because it communicates to the church of what God is saying to that church. So. This is, a, in the, this is the case in verse 1. John is evoking the ideal to the church of Sardis that a message is being transmitted to an angel from the Lord Jesus Christ. That is what John is giving us, the ideal. That the Lord himself has something to say to this church. This is why the Lord Jesus told this angel to write. Write. What I have to say is very important. I like how John describes Jesus Christ in, in the Gospel of John by saying the word of God was with us. He was in the beginning. And I only can imagine how what, what John is, is doing right now. By saying the word of God is speaking to this church. But the key thing here is that it is either that the Lord is speaking out of love or out of his anger. Out of love or out of his anger. That's one of the key things that I want us to be mindful of. Because the other two churches that received praise, it was just out of Jesus' love for that church, for being faithful. But the other five churches, including Sardis, it was out of his anger. It was out of his anger. Because Jesus told that angel or pastor to write because the message to that church was a damning message. It was a damning message. I don't know about you, but I do not like receiving bad news. I don't. I don't like receiving disappointing news. 
because of the anticipations uh, bothers me. Especially since I'm a curious guy. I have to know what it is. I have to know what who is communicating to me and what they're saying. If it's good news, I will rejoice. If it's bad news, that's a different story. This church receiving was receiving bad news. I can see that if this church was receiving good news, they will rejoice in that good news, that the news was coming from the Lord himself. But this news is coming from the Lord, and it is bad news, damning news. So those pastors... Those pastors who was in charge of the seven churches. Two pastors received praises. Five pastors received condemnation. Here in our text, pastor, this, this particular pastor, this particular leader of the church of Sardis. I can just. Imagine how he have might felt. He probably thought he was doing a great job for this church. He probably thought he was leading this church in the right direction. But that's not the case. That is not the case. Because if you have a pastor who is solely who solely wants Christ Jesus to be glorified, then the fruit of that would be the church wants Christ to be glorified. If you want, if you have a pastor who thinks it is a standard for him to leave his wife and marry somebody else, then the fruit of that is the church will believe that, that that is the marriage standard. If you have a uh, pastor who, who believes that health, wealth, and the prosperity gospel is the gospel of Jesus Christ, then the church will believe that. But that's not the case. That is not the case. And it is lightly that the leaders of the church of Sardis were poor leaders. They didn't have any good news to share to the church of Sardis. None. No good news whatsoever. Not good news in the sense of it's good throughout the letter itself. As Christ described himself in Revelation chapter 1, verse 20, that he holds the seven stars in his hand, which is the seven angels, holding Christ holding the seven stars is a representation that it is the Lord who is controlling and holding the pastors in charge. So if a pastor is doing a great job, if he is, is teaching biblical truths to the congregation, then the Lord will commend him for that. 
But this is not the case for the church of Sardis, not the leaders. They know that it is the Lord who is who is controlling their very lives. But yet they are very idiotic or simple of not understanding that it is the Lord can take them out. This is one reason why James said, not many of you should become teachers. Why is that? It is because pastors is going to be, is going to have a stricter judgment. If a pastor lead you into sinfulness, it is the Lord who is going to condemn that pastor more. He's going to condemn the congregation. But these pastors, these leaders, these elders, they didn't understand that. They didn't grasp that. Because they fail to do what the Lord has commanded, commanded them to do. They fail at their job. They didn't take pastoring serious. And I like how the Lord himself described himself in uh, Revelation chapter 3, verse 1. Take a look at that. He says, And to the angel of the church in Sardis, this is how he describes himself. The words of him who has the seven spirits of God. The seven spirits of God and the seven stars. You already discussed the seven. What are, who are the seven stars? They are the pastors. But he also described himself the one who has the seven spirits. Remember what I told you guys that the seven spirits is a symbolic representation of the Holy Spirit. In Revelation chapter 10. Excuse me, Revelation chapter, yeah, chapter 10, verse 3 through 4. The Holy Spirit is also described as seven thunders. Seven thunders. We know that we don't serve seven gods. If you include God the Father or God the Son, that would make nine gods. It is symbolic. It is saying that the completion of the Holy Spirit is everywhere. His presence is everywhere. Seven means completion. Seven thunders, seven uh, torches of fire, uh, seven spirits. But uh, what I want you to get from this is the connection between God the Son and God the Holy Spirit. God the Son is saying, the one who has the seven spirits. It is as if the Lord is picturing himself as the, as the one who's fallen back and the Lord and the God, the Holy Spirit, is going forth, commissioning the God, the Holy Spirit, to go forth to those seven churches. As I stated before, 
the Lord said to those seven churches, the one who he who has an ear, let him hear to the seven churches. He said that to all of the churches. But here in our text, don't miss the the descriptive way of God, the Holy Spirit is is presenting himself. The Holy Spirit is not only being commissioned by Jesus. He is empowering believers in Christ for ministry. The Holy Spirit is regenerating individuals to be born again. The Holy Spirit is purifying the body of Christ from sin into sanctification. Just what the Lord said to that church. The woman prophetess, he was going to kill her children. I submit to you that it was the Holy Spirit was going to finish the work He was going to do the work for the Lord Jesus Christ. To give you an example. In the book of Acts. If you can turn there with me. To. Acts chapter five. This is a story about. Ananias and Sapphira. And this is a, and a story about Ananias and Sapphira holding back the goods that they were giving to the community church of that particular time. And what they perceived what they was doing right was actually a corruption That was not only coming from Satan, but coming from their own sinful lives. Acts chapter 5 says, But a man named Ananias with his wife, Sophia, sold a piece of property. And with his wife's knowledge, he kept back for himself some of the proceeds and brought only a part of it. And laid it at the apostles' feet. But Peter said, Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit? And to keep back from, for yourself part of the proceeds of the land. While it remained unsold, did it not remain your own? And after it was sold, was it not at your disposal? Why is it that you have contrived this deed In your heart, you have not lied to men, but to God. And when Ananias heard these words, he fell down and breathed his last. Did you get that? Turn back to Revelation chapter 3. It was Ananias, and along with his wife, they did not lie just to Peter and the apostles, they lied to the Holy Spirit. That's who they lied to. And this is the case for the church of Sardis.
for a church to be purified, the Holy Spirit's job is to do that. That's his job. And I bet you it's plenty of times that a church in modern time have, have grieved the Holy Spirit. The church of Sardis, they fail to recognize God the Holy Spirit and his active role in that church. The same life-giving spirit that brought that church into a new life in Christ was the same life-giving spirit that was rejected by that church. They didn't want no part of the Holy Spirit. They failed to realize that. They quench the Holy Spirit. They grieve the Holy Spirit. And one reason why they grieve the Holy Spirit is because it is a dead church. A dead church. They had a reputation of being alive. This is what the Lord says to the church of Sardis in verse 1. The Lord says, I know your works. You have the reputation of being alive, but you are dead. There are many churches like that today. Many. They have extravagant religious names. Like Living Waters Ministry, or I don't know, or the Church of God, or the Temple of God. They have the reputation of doing a lot of stuff, a lot of things for the community. I'm sure, like the Church of Sardis, and like churches today, they had, the Church of Sardis probably had a youth program. They probably had young adult classes. They probably have evangelistic teams to go out in the streets to evangelize. I'm sure they had Wednesday night uh, Bible studies. Or Sunday morning services that start at 11, uh, 11 a.m., on time, right? <laughs> I'm sure they had this. But to them, it seems like they were doing so much for the name of Christ, but the truth is that they were doing little to nothing. Little to nothing. Why? Because the church of Sardis was dead. We're a dead church. And this is why the Lord said, I know your works. I know them. Yes, you have a reputation of being a lively church. But I know what you do. I know the truth of your fruits. (laughs) I'm sure they probably have church Pews filled to the mats. They probably had the best pastor that they that they had in town who can communicate 
articulately better than I could. They probably had a pianist <laughs> who give <laughs> not they didn't have me, surely. <laughs> but I was thinking of a piano player who can play the piano well. They probably can have drums, play the drums better. Just, right? Get the crowd moving. But this is, was part of their fellowship. But, the, but in their playing, in their preaching, their fellowship, their outreach was nothing but deadness. They were being religious, but they were spiritually dead. The members of that church was like corpse being prepared for a funeral. The church itself was probably like a bunch of dead people Filled with graves. <laughs> the Lord Jesus told the church of Smyrna that they will be persecuted for their faith. That's what he told the church of Smyrna. He told them to endure. He praised them for their endurance. But not the church of Sardis. They are. Uh, Jewish historian Josephus, it's, a, it's recorded in his, his uh, historical books, that the people of Sardis allow and permitted the Jews of that time to not assemble like the people of Sardis. And what I mean by that, in that record by Josephus, the Jews had their own way of doing worship. They, only, they had their own synagogues. But what I find interesting is that the historian Josephus did not say anything about the Christian church. Nothing. He did not say anything about the church, the Christians of Sardis. That's what I find interesting. It is because the Christians of Sardis allowed and tolerated pagan worship. That is why. They allowed pagan worship. They wanted to assemble with the world. They wanted to mingle with the world. So, when the Lord commended the church of Smyrna for, for, for enduring persecution. There's no commendation for the church of Sardis. There's no need to persecute a dead church. Why would you persecute a dead church? They're dead. Dead churches are churches that have assimilated into the culture, have fallen into in, in this, love, uh, this love for the world. They have fallen in love with this world system. That is a dead church. 
And there are a lot of churches. There are a lot of pastors. There are a lot of uh, people who play church just out of religiosity, but they are dead. The Greek definition for dead means one who has deceased, destitute of life, spiritual dead, an act of force and power. And this is how the Lord defined the church of Sardis. It is, this is a sad thing to imagine a church being dead, a church who supposed to represent the God of life. How can a church be dead but serve a God that has no death in him? It's impossible. Jesus said this about God the Father. God is the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. He is not the God of the dead, but of the living. Jesus does not tell us what caused this church to die. He doesn't give us a reason. He gave us a reason why he was going to destroy the church who had a woman pastor. And that was the church of Thyatira. Because the woman pastor was seducing the, the believers of that church. But there is no description for the church of Sardis. So the only thing that can come to my mind of why a church can die and remain dead is because of sin. It's because they rejected the Holy Spirit, failed to realize what Christ was doing in the church, and because of sin. Because of sin. James 1.15 says, when a sinful desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is fully grown, brings forth death. It is because of sin that church has died. I don't know what those sins were, but I I know it was because of sin. One One pastor said it this way. Sin kills a church, and this church was populated by dead people. Dead in sin, and so it was a reflection of their deadness. Any church is in danger of death when it, be, when it brings to worship its own past. When it's more concerned with forms. When it's more concerned with the liturgy than life, when it's more concerned about social ills than salvation, when it's more concerned about systems than Jesus Christ, when it's more concerned about material issues than spiritual themes, when it's more committed to building up his own theology than accepting the word of God. This church was dead because This church denied the source of spiritual life. Dead. What this church needed is not to to go and and relive the past. It's not to live off their uh, reputation. 
What this church needed was to stop being religious. They needed to stop holding on to their reputation. They needed revival. That's what this church needed. They needed a spiritual revival. So, the Lord gave this church five commands. Okay, here's my water. Thank you. The Lord gave this church five commands. The five commands is to wake up. Strengthen what remains. Remember, keep it, hold fast, and repent. The leaders of Sardis thought, uh, interesting thing about the city of Sardis, the leaders of Sardis thought that the city itself could not be infiltrated by different armies. Because the city settled, was settled on a top of a Acropolis. Acropolis means a large hill. So they thought that they were safe. No one can infiltrate the city because that city was sitting on the top of the hill and they can look below on the landscape and see an oncoming army. However, that city was conquered by Cyrus, the king of Persia, by nighttime because the watchmen of that city, who's supposed to watch the city from intruder, intruders, fell asleep. <laughs> they allowed the Persian army to clam the wall, I mean, the hill of Sardis at night. And in, do, in, in so doing, the Persian army uh, plundered and destroyed that city. They dominated that city. The church of Sardis was like the watchman that fell asleep. This is why the Lord is telling them to wake up. And this is one reason I didn't want these lights to be off. But that's another story. <laughs> he said, wake up. Be watchful. Be alert. The Lord is saying to this church, when are you going to arise from your sleep? The slumberness of that church was one of their demise. So, a thing that the Lord is doing. Look at, look at chapter 3, Revelation chapter 3, verse 3. He told them to not only wake up, he told them to remember. This is what the Lord is saying. When you heard the gospel that brought Life to you. 
Remember that. Hold fast to that. Don't let it go. Get moving. That's one of his commands. Wake up, strengthen what remains. Remember, keep it, hold fast. And the fifth command, repent. Repent. Because the only way that you can see the salvation of your souls, the only way that you can see a salvation of a church is the confession of your sins. That's the only way. Knowing that you have sinned against God. Sin against his commands. Once you confess your sin to the Lord Jesus Christ, that spirit, Numa, that life-giving spirit will now be given back to you. Repent. So, those are the commands. Because... If they do not follow these five commands, a threat will perceive. If they do not heed to the instructions, if they do not heed to the gospel of Christ, here is the threat from Jesus Christ himself. Wake up. If not, I will come to you like a thief in the night. A thief in the night. A thief does not... Come to bring you a loaf of bread or a brown sugar or whatever the case may be. A thief has come to do harm. Come to plunder. Come to destroy. This is how Christ himself described himself. That he will come like a thief. The uh, picture that you're seeing behind me uh, of this construction is the gymnasium of the city of Sardis. This is like a focal point for that particular city. It was like a shopping mall, per se. You can go there now and you will see the same remains or ruins, what is still there. But one thing you won't see is a thriving church. That is what you won't see. A thriving church. I can only imagine that the church of Sardis was like these ruins in this picture. Do something. So the Lord said he was coming back. Like a thief. And the uh, CMA, we believe we hold to the four, four, uh, fourfold gospels. Uh, it's depicted by these four symbols. Crown of glory, healer, coming king. And that's what we are describing today. That the Lord Jesus... Is coming back. And he came on that day for the church of Sardis. 
Because if the Lord, if it was his will for that Lord, uh, for that church to persist, that church would still be here today. But I don't think it was his will. So that's just why you're telling the church to wake up, strengthen what remains, and remember what brought you together. It is likely that the Apostle Paul on his second uh, missionary journey to minor Asia, which is modern day Turkey, when he planted some churches and spread the gospel to the church of Ephesus. And that's how the gospel itself was being proclaimed to the other churches. It is likely that the church of Sardis heard the same gospel, which they did. But yet they were, they forgotten what brought them together. But here's some good news. Follow along in Revelation chapter three, verse four and five. The Lord also said, yet you have still a few names in Sardis. People who have not sore their garments and they will walk with me in white for they are worthy. The one who conquers will be clothed thus in white garments. And I would not never blot out his name from the book of life. So I kind of been a little bit negative with the church of Sardis because I want you to see the importance of it. But he give it, he give the church of Sardis a small commendation. If you follow these five commands. This is what I would do for you. The church of Sardis would have understood what the Lord Jesus was saying to them. Because he is saying that the ones who remember, the one who strengthen, the one who keep it and hold fast and repent, I would give you new clothing. This is why they will remember. It's because the church of Sardis itself was a city, not the church, the city itself was a city that that manufacture clothing. They were a city that manufacture purple and, and linen and all types of clothing. So they would have understood this. But another thing. When the Lord said, for those who have not sore their garments. They say what John is doing in this particular text, he is he is depicting and contrasting for those who are involved in pagan worship. They will be destroyed. But for those who are not involved in pagan worship will not be destroyed. Because they're. In the city of Sardis, there was a lot of paganism. They had the throne of Zeus there. Many temples there. And one thing for the citizens of the uh, city of Sardis, what they could not do was to enter into a pagan temple dripped in water. Their clothing could not be soiled. Because pagan worshippers 
thought that they were going to defile the gods. Do y'all understand? Do you get this? So this is why the Lord has said to the church. Yet I have a few names in Sardis, people who have not sore their garments. Church, I don't know about you. Um, if we if we put Akron Alliance Fellowship Church on an operating operating table, who is about to go under the knife by a doctor, what would that doctor find? Would he find deadness? Cancer that needs to be cut out? Would he find people who are not yet dead but are dying? This is why the Lord is telling the church of Sardis to strengthen what remains. Would the doctor find that? Or will he find yet a few people that have not sore their garments? Will he find that as well? Don't answer. I just want you to meditate on it. One person told me when I first came here that the church itself is a dying, or this church itself is a dying church. It is a dying church church this is the reality and I agree with that particular person I agree with them whatever the case that we need to do for those who are already dead you can be revived if you come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ for those who are dying You need to wake up for those who remains and have not sore their garments, who are in fellowship with the Lord. Be persistent. Be persistent. Continue. And for those who have not sore their garments, it is our job to wake up the people who are dying. And for those who are dead, continue to teach, continue to preach the word of God to them. Let us pray. Lord Jesus, I thank you. I thank you for this body of believers that you have given to me that you have put in charge for me to to operate to direct that you have put under the authority of the leaders of this church I pray 
that for those who are who don't know you, for those who have not come to a saving knowledge in you, I pray that you will give them life. Revive their souls, revive their spirits, help them to come to the saving knowledge of who you are and what you have done for them. For those who are dying, who have fallen asleep, I pray that you will wake them up. Help them to understand the importance of evangelism, the importance of fellowship, the importance of communion with each other. And for those who have not sore their garments, I pray that you will continue to help them to have the enduring patience that you have given to all of your believers. Help them to see your glory. I pray this in your name, Lord. Amen. Well, what I want to do is to take a couple of seconds. And I want to call you guys into uh, to repentance. If you want to share with your spouse, that's fine. If you want to share it, but most importantly, share it with the Lord, please do that. Whatever you have to repent for, I want us to do it as a church, as a body of believers, so that the commands or the condemnation that the Lord said to the church of Sardis would not fall upon us. Take 30 seconds and repent.